Welcome to another edition of the Magic Time post-game podcast. We are on location at St. Louis Bar and Grill, the Mountain Road location in Moncton. But of course, Magic Time brought to you by our good friends at St. Louis Bar and Grill, both locations, Moncton and Dieppe. You can visit them on Facebook, St. Louis Bar and Grill NB. And remember, when you put in St., put ST, St. Louis Bar and Grill NB on Facebook. My broadcast partner for Moncton Magic Live Games is Dave Tingley. He joins us on the post game, And Dave, uh, for only the second time this regular season, we can say that the Moncton Magic lost at home. Your thoughts on the 105-102 victory by the Cape Breton Islanders? Last time they blew it, Scott, really. I mean, let's be honest. St. John's Edge, they had them on the ropes and they had a, took a miracle comeback. Tonight, Cape Breton earned it big time. And we'll talk about some things that worked into it, including some things that were kind of out of the Magic's control a little bit, but let's not mistake, let's be clear on this, they earned it. They came in wounded, they came in guys sick, we talked about the guys on the bench wearing wearing winter coats. Strowbridge, Charles Strowbridge. Strowbridge on the bench wearing his winter coat with his hood up because he's got the flu so bad, and they were missing Redpath and, you know, some other guys, and and we, refer, we referenced it before the game, and so did Coach Salerno. They went into Halifax in a similar state on a, on a low and wounded and not a, not a full lineup and, and, and wrestled a win, win away from Halifax with toughness and Cape Breton came in here tonight and just did the same thing to them. Well, it's funny. Coaches always got to say the right thing for their team, but you, know, you and I have had several chances over the course of the season to talk to Bernardo Fitzgonzalez, the coach of the Cape Breton Highlanders, <laughs> and he was pretty, uh, you know, straight up when he looked this in the eye and, and he said he felt tonight was the night. Cape Breton came in having lost six in a row, but he really felt that with some of that uh, adversity that his team was facing that they were going to bring the kind of performance that they did tonight, and he was right. Uh, they got out strong, did Cape Breton, but Moncton kind of got their feet under them a little bit. Billy White, a tremendous game. Uh, he scored a season high for him, 30 points, and uh, you know did all that he could do. But uh, what for you was the biggest difference for Cape Breton? Uh, well, I mean, it was... It's kind of that almost unexplainable part for them. Like, we talked about it in the third quarter. I looked at you and I said, don't you feel like this should be a 15-point game for Moncton? It was six at the time. It just felt like they were playing much better than Cape Breton. But Cape Breton turned them over enough, kept the ball alive in the offensive glass enough, earned enough second-chance opportunities, and just they did what they do. They just kind of gummed it up and made things difficult on, on Moncton. All of a sudden, you turn around, it's a tie score. And uh, Bruce Massey just got himself going. I mean, he was at a really quiet first half, and they were still within within uh, a, a, a hoop at the half, even though Bruce Massey only had, I think, six points in the first half. But he just got himself going, he, and he just kind of... Uh, Gentry Thomas played him really well all night, as did Marcus Lewis, but he's the leading scorer in the league for a reason, and he just kind of got himself going. He, he got into Gentry's body a little bit and, and uh, got himself to the line. And sometimes, we say all the time, scorers just find a way to get themselves going, whether it's a layup, whether they get to the line and make a couple of free throws, they just see that ball go in, and the hoop starts looking bigger to them, and that's what happened to Bruce tonight. Well, you mentioned going to the line. Bruce Massey only missed one free throw attempt in all of his trips to the line, and I think he was 11 of 12 or something like that, but he only missed one. got the stats one. in front of me, I'll tell you. All right, let's check it out. But He only missed 11 of 12. Look, you mind like a steel trap, you. And the other thing, both teams were blisteringly hot from the floor. I don't know what the final numbers are. You got them there in front of you. But what did they end up shooting? Both teams at one point were well over 50%. Yeah, 53.4 for the Magic and 48.7 
for Cape Breton, and they both they, they cooled off at the end, but kind of both teams both teams kind of tightened up defensively and got some stops, but I mean, they shot the ball really well for most of the night. Kind of not super high turnover numbers, but I would actually question those final stats a little bit. I think the turnovers were a lot higher than that. Um, yeah, but I mean, offensive rebounds too, I, I'm pretty sure Cape Breton had more than that number that shows there too. They just, but even if they didn't, they came at, even if even if those numbers are right, they came at big moments, it seemed like, right? And, uh, yeah, Cape Breton was able to create that second-chance opportunity when you felt like they were starting to lose contact with them a little bit, turn the ball over when they felt like they were starting to lose contact. So they came at big moments. And the other thing as well, Cape Breton did a lot of things to frustrate the Moncton Magic offense. They were very staunch on defense, and that really didn't stop the entire game. Like, they didn't really have any uh, times where they took the foot off the gas defensively. What were some of the things that you saw defensively that Cape Breton did that kind of frustrated Moncton a little bit? Not so much Billy White, because, again, he had the big night, but overall there were times where Cape Breton really seemed to gum things up, especially in the low post. Well, I think they, they, they concentrated on on keeping things uh, pushing things to the outside trying to trying to limit ball penetration Kel Trey Kel did a pretty good job getting the lane a few times and spotting shooters but other than that the ball penetration really wasn't there for the magic outside of Billy but it looks like the strategy was uh, we're gonna we don't have the depth in the front court tonight so we're gonna play Billy one-on-one down there hopefully we can you know he's probably gonna get his 30. But hopefully we do a good enough, stop him enough times, put him on the line enough times, have him some, have him miss, um, turn the ball over enough, have other guys miss enough to keep us in the game, and it was a, turned out to be a pretty good strategy. And the game itself was really, I mean, you know, you hear the cliche saying, right, a seesaw affair, a back and forth affair, but it really was. I, I don't know what the stats would have been on it to end the game, but the number of lead changes in that game, I'm sure, was. 15 or 20, if not more, as they they just seemed to trade one and two point leads back and forth for the entire game. But there was a point uh, late in that third quarter, I believe it was, where Moncton was pushing ahead and had it up to nine. Neither team had had a double digit lead to that point, and I had referenced it that, you know, Moncton had a possession and could have gone up by double digits, and they seemed to be pulling away. But then a couple of things happened in a couple of sequences. The next thing you know, Cape Breton again is back to one point game. They go in the lead. There was another point as well later on in the game where uh, a pretty big turning point. I'd forgotten about it until uh, just before we came on to do this podcast. But there was a technical foul called mm. on Denzel Taylor underneath the basket. And that really was a turning point because that gave free throws to Cape Breton, with which Bruce Massey hit, and then they got possession. And that really seemed to be that little bit of a turning point late in the game that yeah. Cape Breton needed. And sometimes we have Coach Salerno on this as a guest. He joins us here. Um, I'm glad we're getting the talk of the refereeing out of the way if Joe does ever join us here before he gets here because we don't want to have him com- comment on a little bit. We um, That was a bad call. There's no doubt about it. Technically, I guess that's a good. I guess if you're gonna call, if you're gonna call Denzel for delay a game, then technically, okay, it's a technical because it's the second time in the in the in the game that there's been um, that called against the Moncton Magic. But first one was really early in the first half. This was three minutes left in the game, four minutes maybe somewhere in there, three to four minutes left in the game, and it wasn't an egregious error by foul by 
Denzel. The ball he had just scored, the ball came through the hoop, hit him in the head, and he was kind of swatting at it. Okay, and yeah, okay, he didn't throw it directly to Cape Breton or a referee. It bounced away a little bit, but this wasn't this wasn't um, this wasn't deserving of a technical certainly in that situation. And the other thing was, a lot of times when and something like that happens, a player's going to protest just because it's the obligatory thing to do. But you could tell that genuinely Denzel seemed really puzzled as to why they had made that call at that time. And it really seemed to rattle him and rattle some of his teammates. And again, that was just that little kind of turn that Cape Breton needed down the stretch. But again, you know, it's a 48-minute game. There's lots of other things that happen in the course of a game. But that moment, that time of the game really seemed to turn things around. Let's talk a little bit about the night that Billy White had, because I know in a loss, sometimes things get overlooked. But other than the fact that he had some troubles from the free throw line, which we talked about on the broadcast, Mm -hmm. a spectacular night for Billy. He was really engaged all night long. He was a real tough player for Cape Breton to handle down in the low post. Uh, And again, he had a season-high 30 points for him. But what did you like about Billy's game tonight? Well, the aggressiveness. He took what they gave him. The game plan clearly was in the half court, uh, we're going to single cover him and we're going to you know, let him work and we're going to try to limit what everybody else does and try to limit him as best we can with one-on-one coverages. And you, you do that on Billy White and you're asking, him, you're asking him to do what he did, which is get aggressive, put the ball on the floor and attack and attack and attack. And he did. And he scored in all... You know, in, excuse me, in all sorts of ways. He scored uh, uh, driving baseline left. He scored a couple times on a little on a little hook shot. He scored with the right. Um, he scored in the open floor by attacking Bruce Massey. So, um, you know, he, he was terrific on that end of the floor all night. And he was and he was good getting the ball off the glass and going too and being a one man fast break, which is really you know a weapon for him at the power forward spot. Yeah, I mean, he was just so so good tonight. So athletic, so tough for them to handle. I've nicknamed him the albatross just because of that long reach that he has but again just a tremendous night for Billy White and and I really wanted to talk about the night that he had because sometimes in a loss things like that can get overlooked and I was wondering if you and I were going to have to flip a coin to see who was going to approach Coach Salerno about perhaps coming over and being a special guest (laughs) once again this evening that's one of the great things about doing it live on location here at St. Louis Bar and Grill on Mountain Road Sometimes we do get the coach to come on in, and we didn't even have to ask him. Davey's actually come over. He's he's pulled up a chair. So uh, I'm going to let you. Uh, I'm going to let you come with uh, the first question for the for the coach. Oh me? Yes, Dave. Oh, you. Goodness, put your, the, put your putting, beverage down. I was putting the beer to my lips and everything. So, uh, well, I guess my question would be, Coach. Um, <laughs> that was. The fourth quarter was a story of a couple of different things. One being the whistle, which we'll we can we can let you off the hook on that yes, one. It was, it, was, it was a big part of the game, so we can talk about it. It really was. Yeah, we can talk about it. It really was. I mean, we constantly we've already talked about the Denzel technical, which in our opinion was, you know, if you're going by the literal letter of the law, if you're going to call a second delay a game, I guess maybe, but that's not really it's not necessary in that spot, and it's a little bit it's a little bit penalizing by calling that delay game to begin with that's kind of penal on Denzel yeah I think so I mean I, to be honest this was a point of emphasis last year you know with the league that started calling it but uh, 
I think officials have kind of gone overboard with this a little bit. You know, there's so many times that a guy's, I mean, he's under the basket. I mean, Denzel Taylor lives under the rim. And it just hit him in the head. Ball through the comes hoop. through, yeah. And, and to me, you know, that's a veteran official who made that call. And um, you have to understand how to manage a game. And that's certainly not the point. In, in a game that's been a dogfight the whole game, you know, to make that call with, I think it was like maybe three minutes, 40 three minutes, seconds left, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a big call. It's a big call in the game. Um, so, no, I mean, I don't think that needs to be called. I think that's a play on. And, um, you know, when you talk about it's a full game, you know, I mean, there's lots of possessions that happens in games, but, um, you know, fourth quarter matters, right? And, and, and that was a big call in that was game. Was it 10-3 for fouls? Was that what it we was a 10-3 foul count in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I don't think tonight we were settling for jumpers. I mean, I think we were, we were getting to the rim. I mean, K-Bren did a good job defensively tonight. I'm not going to take anything away from them, but I thought, I thought White got hit decent amount of times going to the rim tonight. He was pretty aggressive inside. Um, but yeah, you look at a 10-3 foul count in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's a that's a major factor in a, in a tight game. And, and sometimes a foul discrepancy is an indicator of style of play. One team's being more aggressive. It, I mean, that was Give, you were, both were given as good as you, as you yeah, got in that fourth quarter. I thought both teams were, were aggressive tonight, <laughs> and that's the style it's been with Cape Breton all year. Um, you know, so again, it, it's frustrating. When you look at the statistics, you know, both teams shot the ball well tonight. Um, I mean, Cape Breton, I can't get over the amount of jump shots they hit tonight, you know, from range. And yeah. we did not do a good job defensively with that. You know, once these guys show they're going to shoot the ball in that fashion, we got to do a better job of kind of running them off their jumpers. Um, but uh, it was a physical game, and yeah, I thought uh, thought things were a little one-sided in the fourth, and it, it played a factor in the game. And you look, I mean, you look, uh, yeah, we outshot them. You know, yeah. we actually won a lot of statistics. It came down yeah. to free throw shooting. Came down to free throw shooting in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bruce Massey. And he had 21 points on four field goals tonight. Yeah. You know, so I thought we did a hell of a job defensively on him, but he found a way to get to the line late. And um, yeah, yeah both, just, both G and Marcus were really good on yeah, him. Yeah, and he were. got a, he kind of a couple times he just I mean he got into that second level of defense and got the fouls called on the second guy Billy yeah. in particular there once where it looked there was a big call yeah, late in that game big where call uh, late. you know Gentry done a great job and, and I thought Bruce kind of spun kind of out of control back into to uh, Billy White. Found ways to go to the line, and, you know, good players do that. Um, but, yeah, the foul count in the fourth, free throw discrepancy in the fourth quarter alone was a, was a factor in the game for sure. We were just talking about Billy White and the great game that he had tonight offensively especially because we were saying that, you know, sometimes in a loss something like that can get overlooked. And he did draw a lot of contact. We'll talk about the free throws in just a second, but overall, what did you like most about what you saw from Billy White tonight, and especially how aggressive he was going into the paint and down into the low post? Yeah, he stayed aggressive all night, and, and we knew, um, I mean, they played small. They played small ball a lot tonight. They kind of had to with the guys they had out, uh, and a lot of times, Billy's a little too unselfish in the post. He'll look to, to make those kickouts, and uh, tonight, I thought he stayed aggressive all night, and, and that was a good sign. You know, I thought for the most part, he kept his, his head and his composure most of the night, uh, which was good. Um, you know, so I, he played a he played a great game tonight. He was tough. One place that seemed to be very frustrating for Billy tonight, and it really showed late in the game when he missed a couple of big free throws down the stretch, and he was very hard on himself. He really seems to be in his head from the free throw line. Is that something you guys have talked about? Is there anything you can do that can kind of help him work through that? Yeah, I mean we. <laughs> We spend a lot of times on, on, on free throws, you know, and, and Billy has struggled there from the line a little bit. He felt really bad after the game, you know. I mean, 
these guys look at stats. You know, they saw we missed eight free throws tonight. I think I think Billy might have missed seven of those, six or seven. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I mean, he came into my office. I was a coach, and I'm, I'm so sorry from the free throw line. And it's like, you know, Billy. I mean, it happens. It's something he's working on. Uh, all players have weak spots in their game, and um, I actually think Billy over the last three weeks. Uh, two weeks his stroke has looked a lot better from the free throw line better rotation better trajectory um, but again it's a mental thing uh, you know and, and, and Billy needs to continue to work on it I mean, outside of Billy though you only got to the line what is it it looks like eight times the entire night outside of Billy right so was it was it out of necessity you think or was it was a game did they stumble onto that game plan of single cover him he gets his 30 maybe and it kind of shut down the other parts of your game um i don't know i mean they're, they're a pretty good defensive team and yeah. they, they have some you know i mean bruce mass is a physical guy when you look at like olu famatini george williams um you know even atterbury these guys that were kind of playing the two three four positions those are big physical guys they did a nice job defensively tonight i don't want to take anything away from them i mean they 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 deserve to win that game um they played hard and uh so they did they did a nice job limiting some penetration. I still think there were a lot of times we got in the pain and, and maybe we didn't get a whistle. Um, Corey Allman got hit, no yeah. doubt, uh, with three seconds left on the shot clock. I think yeah. we were down one on the baseline there, and um, that was a big call. You know, that was missed. But, again, you, you can't just blame it on that at all. Um, they were tough. They, they played a good game tonight. And the thing is, through all of it, you guys had an opportunity with the last possession if you had to hit a three, would have tied it and sent it to overtime. Dave and I were talking about on the broadcast, you know, what was Coach going to draw up? You know, obviously you're thinking maybe Corey, Jason Caliste. Corey ended up getting a couple of looks at it. Not great looks, but a couple of looks. What was the play? What did you have drawn up coming out for that last possession? Yeah, we actually were going to Jay Calise. Uh We were going to Calise, um, and actually... I think he was he was open initially coming off the, the baseline yeah. screen. Um, Jay was actually going to show down screen uh, for Corey and then actually slip that. And I think Jamal Reynolds actually got caught in that. He thought he was going to switch. And Denzel set a great screen. He actually screened his own man, uh, which we thought he may have to do when teams switch late in games. Uh, but I thought Bruce Massey, who was defending the, the ball, jumped back towards Jay. Uh, he did a nice job, and I think that's why Trey didn't go to him. You know, but at the same time, you got the ball in Corey Allman's hands with eight seconds left. Uh, you know, if we didn't get Jay, we were going to put in Corey's hands and put him in a screening situation with, uh, with Billy. And I think he hesitated for a half second to throw back to Billy, and then he settled for not a great look. I thought he had a really good look off the offensive rebound. It just came up short. Um, but the play was actually designed for Jay and using Corey a little more as a decoy. Yeah, and they and they forced him. I mean, they forced him all the way yeah. out to half court to start it, right, with eight seconds left. So yeah. That's tough. Yeah, it was tough. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it didn't it didn't go down. I actually thought there was, um, you know, a really big play in that game. I think we were up one, and uh, we kind of got out and pushed in transition, maybe around a minute left or just shy of it. And, and Marcus Lewis kind of took a tough shot mm. in transition, one he, yeah. he definitely did not need to take at that time. And, um, you know, and then, of course, Billy kind of dribbled it off his foot on a possession, too, that, that put us in that late shot clock situation. <laughs> yeah. So things happened. You know, I don't think we were great down the stretch uh, execution-wise and – but again, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way, and sometimes you don't get calls, and you know it's a tough loss at home. Really tough loss at home, actually. This one kind of stung a bit. And sometimes after a win, it's a little easier to break down film and uh, and to look at things that went well and that maybe didn't go so well. Maybe not so easy after a loss. I'm not sure. I've never been a professional coach, but for you, I know that you're going to need to take some time to kind of uh, ruminate about this. But what were some things as you sit here right now? 
forget the final score, but what were some things that you liked about what you guys did tonight that you think are some things that you can build on, some building blocks going forward? Well, I mean, obviously, like I said, I thought Billy staying aggressive was great. I think that's been a little bit of a hurdle for us. Sometimes he feels like he's being too selfish out there, and, and you know, the guys know he's, he's he's a horse, man. You know, give him, give him the basketball down there and stay aggressive. Um, you know, I thought Trey Kell's minutes were, were pretty good again tonight. I thought, again, he found ways to distribute the basketball and, and found some guys some decent looks. I thought G had one of his better games tonight, although he didn't score much. Um, you know, there were small things to build off, but, again, you know, we need to work on when teams want to go small on us. And this is something we struggled offensively and against the edge when they went small a little bit. And when teams effectively switch on you, you have to be able to go to different looks. Um, you know, for us tonight, it was either we're going to the block or as they're switching, we need to look for more slips and, and things of that nature. And uh, I think it's something we need to continue to work on because uh, a lot of teams are playing small in, our, in this league. So yeah, but there's he- things to take. Things to take from the game, and there's things, and there's things you can do there with Trey, probably right, because Trey being a big point guard, a couple times, like he, I thought tonight was going to be interesting because of how he was going to have face the challenge of a couple of really good defenders, maybe probably the best backcourt defending tandem, kind of with Reynolds and, and size and Mac, too, right? size yep. right, that would provide him the best challenge. And I thought he started a little bit rough, but then he kind of worked his way into it and got yeah. his way into the lane. With his size to see over people, he saw it, found Corey for a three. Wayne, I think Wayne, he found. Yeah. Wayne he found, right? So it seemed like he adapted as the game went on a little bit. Yeah, and I think he will, too. I mean, Trey, Trey still has only had two practices with us, right? <laughs> yeah. We had practice canceled yesterday. and uh, So he, he's going to find his way for sure. Um, but, again, he was pretty solid tonight. And, um, you know, I thought Freddie McSwain was great. You know, another thing we need to do is – we need to start looking at, at playing Freddie and Billy together a little bit more, um, which I think gives us more flexibility defensively. It was tough to, to take Freddie out of that game. You know, he was knocking out some shots, playing well. But then, of course, you had Billy, who was having a, a kind of a season-high night. And he was he was got in your face about it when you took him out Well, of he was just like, Coach, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm playing well, and I don't blame him. Yeah, I, I don't not, blame not him. Not like a negative and way, just he wanted, he he wanted was, to stay in the game. He yeah. did. He wanted to yeah. stay in the game, and, he, you know, why am I coming out? And it's like, well... Freddie, you know the guy that's going in is probably like eleven for thirteen from the floor right now. So we're gonna <laughs> yeah. we're gonna ride with him. But um, that's another thing I think we can continue to build on. And yeah. um, I think you know I think our roster is is set here. Um, so I think now you know it's it's figuring out with this personnel this is who we're gonna have the rest of the year and figuring out combinations like that and getting Trey up to speed and um, you know so a lot of, a lot of work left to do. It's just. Again, it's tough to, to drop that one. Yeah. Knowing you had Cape Breton kind of down and out a little bit. But uh, teams rally around that stuff. They, they did tonight for sure. And you mentioned Freddie McSwain Jr. knocking down some shots. Dave and I talked about it on the broadcast. We've loved talking about this guy and his athleticism and how he can get up to the rim and just high fly. But tonight, he found a mid-range game. And there was a couple of times where he faked making that big dash to the basket and had the defense on their heels a little bit, and he's able to step back and hit a couple of jump shots. How, how much is that going to help his game if he can mix in a jump shot into what he can do? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's funny. Freddie uh, in, in Juco actually played a lot of, a lot of three, and uh, he actually shoots it fairly well. It, it looks a little unorthodox, 
And I think a lot of teams, when they see his athleticism and in, in his body, they just kind of automatically think, like, we got to stop this guy for penetration. He can't shoot it. And I think when he went to Indiana, um, he originally was going there to play the three and continue to develop as a small forward. And then they had some injuries, and his coach moved him to the four, four, five. But he is capable of knocking out some shots. And uh, Freddie's really good when you when you pump him up with confidence. And, um, you know, we want to continue to do that. As long as he's taking good shots, open shots, and rhythm, then, then we're fine yeah. with it. And there was one moment as well where I think it was when you did take Freddie out of the game to, to replace him on the floor, and, and you guys had kind of about a 10 or 15 second chat there, and, and you know, you were giving him, a, I think, a little bit of a pep talk, and then you guys kind of gave each other a, a bit of a slap on the side. Do you remember what the context or what the conversation was about for those few seconds? Um, I, I think I, I think I told him, like, listen, man, you, you're playing well. You know, we, we got to get Billy back in the game right now. And I just said, stay ready. You know, there's a chance for me to go back to you and Billy. Um, you know, keep your head up. And, you know, again, you, you forget Freddie's a rookie, right? And, and uh, it's still, it's there's guys that have done things in this league, like a Billy White, that, that you're going to put your trust in. Um, and he's still just kind of learning that and, and adjusting to that. But, uh He's got a great attitude. He's a great kid. He just wants to stay in the game. He's a competitive, competitive guy. Because how much is it kind of, you talked about the combinations. How much of it is it kind of like a good problem to have for you right now? Because you kind of couldn't go back to him because when Denzel got in, his minutes in the fourth quarter were really good. Yeah, they were. And then Billy's having such a hot night. And then, well, who do I take out to put him back in who's having a great? So it's kind of a, you got a little bit of a, you know, working through that kind of yeah, big problems a little bit, right? It's a little bit of a, of a good log jam, right? Yeah. I mean, when you have Denzel who can play the four, you got Billy, you got you got Freddie now. Um, and then even even the same, you look at Wayne McCullough and, and Marcus Lewis tonight, their, their minutes were almost even. Um, what you have to do is a great problem to have. What you have to do is have those guys accepting of who's got it going that night, you know, who's the better matchup for us, maybe defensively. And if they accept that, then it's a, it's a great problem to have. Yeah. And coach, you know, at the end of that game tonight, look, yes, a lot of it was because Cape Breton had just ended a six-game losing streak, but they celebrated like they had just won the championship, which leads me to the question of kind of Moncton has had a target on their back all season long, especially at home because you guys have had that stellar home record. How much do you guys even talk about or consider the fact that no matter who you're playing, no matter where they are in the standings, no matter what kind of a streak they're on, Every team that's coming to play you guys, especially at the Avenue Center, is going to give you their A-plus game. Is that something that you guys talk about in terms of being ready for that? It's actually not. No, we, we don't We don't talk about it. Um, I think because everybody knows you have to play well or your best game every night to win in this league, whether you're, you know, fifth, sixth place or on, or on, or on top of the standings. And we all know that. Um, and I think once you get off to that start, Everyone just kind of knew in the back of their mind, but we don't really talk about it. We know every team's going to come in and play tough, and and you have to play well to, to win games in this league, night in, night out. It's always been that way. It's going to continue to be that way. So, um, you know, I think it's in the back of our mind, but but not something we talk about. So Halifax is a little bit uh, is your next opponent up, and every team's kind of changed their look a little bit, but probably Halifax outside of the Terry Thomas additions probably changed as little as anyone around like they've kind of oh, there has been a lot of roster turnover for them but they've got uh, Mike Poole playing at such a 
he has this way. He does this every year. He has a kind of a rough start and suddenly just works his way in and becomes this tough guy. He's coming off a of player of the week. So um, what's the kind of your focus for kind of a matchup for, for Halifax on Monday? Well, I'll kind of start focusing on that matchup tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're tough. They're, they're hitting their stride. They, they did make a, a fair amount of changes. You know, they added, uh, you know, Shadrach Lufield. They added Chad Poshmas. Yeah. They added Darren Mency. They added Thornton. Um, so they've, they've yeah, made some true. significant Thornton, changes. Yeah. Thornton's playing some minutes. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and Terry, of course. But yeah. um, I think now they, they made those changes, and now they're finding their stride, and, and they're playing pretty well. So, um, you know, in, in my my opinion, uh, I think they're probably our toughest opponent in, in this division. Mm. You know, I know our record is good against them right now, but both teams have changed a lot. So, I mean, Monday's going to be a really, really difficult game uh, for us down there. It's really tough to beat a team six times in one year, uh, <laughs> yeah. especially when you know it was four in Halifax so I think that's another reason why tonight stings because you know you're gonna have a really tough game down there on Monday and um you know would have been nice to pick this one up especially with the edge losing last night but uh they're tough I mean they got a lot of weapons Mike Poole's playing at a high level um you know I love the Washington kid uh, Jordan Washington I mean he's as tough as they come in the post and and uh you know Kindred's coming off the bench now they got depth they have some good size they got veterans so they're they're tough it's gonna be a tough game uh you know, but like I said, we'll start getting into the game plan for that tomorrow. And coach, you've talked to your team and you've talked to us about how you've you know, you wanted to break the season down into four quarters. It's a forty game season, four quarters of ten games apiece. As you work your way now, getting close to the end of the third quarter, the third segment of ten, uh, how are you feeling about the third quarter so far and, and you know, is it where you'd like it to be? I mean, you know, coming into tonight, we've won six of our last seven. Um, and we've, again, had to make some changes. And, and not a lot of changes, but you added Lewis, you added McSwain in this third quarter. You added Kel. Uh, these are these are big roles. And, of course, Kel, you know, is a very big role. So um, I'd like to be a little further ahead than what we are, but I think we're still adjusting a little bit. Um, but all that, you know, we have to put that behind us now. Like, the adjustment period's over. This is the crew we're running with. You know, let's get better together. Um, so, I mean, we've been playing better basketball, obviously, since the four-game slide. Uh, I feel like we're, you know, again, you look at our assisted turnovers over the last, you know, the last three games. Uh, last, what was it, Monday, Sunday, against the Riptide. I think we were 28 assists to 14 turnovers tonight. We were 27 assists. So it's starting to come together. You know, those are better assist numbers than we've had almost all season long. Yeah. So you can see it. Um, we just got to continue to stay on the grind and, and understand we're not going to coast to anything, you know, and, and we have to continue to, to get better. And I think, uh, I mean, Dave and I have talked about this, but I'm, I think at the beginning of the year, if we were talking about going into mid-February and the Moncton Magic still were under double digits and losses tonight tough loss as you said but still only nine losses on the year the only team in the league the that hasn't reached double digits and losses yet Uh, so i think you know at the beginning of the year it was a pretty good thing to be where you are right now with the record of 18 and 9 how important this might seem like the obvious question but how important is it for you guys to finish at the top and to have home court for the entire playoffs it's, it's really important. You know, in, in eight seasons in this league, I've, I've never had that. I've never had home court throughout. I've had home court maybe in the divisional rounds, but but never into the into the finals. And, uh, yeah, I think we're, what, 12-2 and two now at home this yeah. year. So, you know, we've been tough at home. So it's important. Um, 
to have that number one overall seed. It's 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 a goal of ours. It's one of three or four goals that we have. So, you know, it's first is winning the division and dropping this one tonight, having a, a potential two game swing type game with Halifax on Monday. Uh, that's a really big game for us. But eighteen and nine right now. Uh, it's easy to say you're pleased with it, but but coaches are greedy, and, <laughs> and I'm. It's very easy for me to say, well, we've dropped two big leads and, you know, the Duke Monday charge call in London and, you know, yeah. maybe we could or should be this. Um, but I think with all the adversity we've had at the point guard spot and, and some of the turnover and the injuries with Billy White and Corey, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what our team has done thus far, but we're certainly not at our peak. And you and you mentioned how it's going to take some, you guys are going to be doing some mix and imagine with your lineup. So does it put kind of even more of an onus on, on you guys, because d- down the stretch, I mean, people, I'm always interested in the kind of the ins and outs of coaching, being a former coach myself and doing this stuff, but the onus that it puts on you guys as a coaching staff to go in between the games, you don't want to experiment in games no. if you can help it, right? Because every game's important. You got to get that lineup stuff worked out in the practices, right? Like who's going to play with who and what kind of lineups you're going with. So yeah, I know you stumbled kind of onto that five-man kind of rotation uh, that group that worked really well, at least yeah. Odondo and those Marcus Lewis and, and Freddie. So, how much mix and match and, and video work are you guys going to be putting into kind of deciding matchups leading up to games like that? Quite, quite a bit, you know. And but again, you, you need the guys to buy in. You need the guys to buy in that, uh, you know, tonight Marcus Lewis is our best defensive matchup, so we're going to go with him instead of McCullough. Or you know, uh, we want to go with Billy and McSwain tonight. If the guys buy into that, it makes it it makes it a lot easier. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Practice time, and, and that's practice time is important. You got to see guys playing together and who can consistently do nice things together and who has some chemistry. And um, you get this late in the season, you know, practice time is can be scarce at times, and you're playing a, a lot of games. And um, but uh, it's something like I said. Now that you set, it's something yeah. that we will continue to look at and find the best combination you, you mentioned those five guys defensively I was talking to my father the other day on the phone and, and you know I referred to the, the Boston Red Sox back in I think 03 or 05 when they won the World Series you know they, they had that group called the Knuckleheads yep, right the and, and yep. that's kind of what you think and <laughs> if you can get the second unit to buy into that you know this is our time this is our job now and and uh, I think we could be really good so um, you know I think again it's it's a work in progress and it's going to continue to be probably up for the next four or five games really you, know, you want those last 10 games to be you're starting to really really peak because they weren't as they weren't as spectacular tonight as they had been in the first two games but they gave it they handed billy and Corey and those those closers that you expect to be they handed them the lead with five six minutes left yeah for sure yeah, right? they did and you know and then you always get to that question like man you run with what you have right? out there right now right or do you go back to, you know, your, your kind of main guys? And um, that was a question we had tonight, you know. I mean, when you went back to, uh, you know, Allman for, for Calise, that was a bit of a question that we had. Yeah. Um, you know, McSwain was playing great, but, of course, you're going to go back to Billy. So yeah. those questions come up, and you got to go with your gut. you got to trust your instincts, and, and whatever you decide, you got to run with it. You know, you can't second-guess yourself. So, yeah. um, you know, but, but I, I like the pieces we have, man. We just yeah. got to finish putting it together. Yeah. You mentioned Halifax, your next opponent on the road down at Scotiabank Center in Halifax. Uh, tough day yesterday because of the storm, not being able to get the practice in. So what are the next couple of days going to be like for you and the coaching staff and the team as you prepare to head up to Halifax? Uh, tomorrow we got we, it's kind of a recovery day for us. We have, a, we have some mandatory yoga. We'll have some guys in the the whirlpool and we'll have some guys you know that i mean so it's almost a little bit of an off day for us um this week's been 
you know, a couple games, two, three games, and uh, we'll practice Saturday and film Saturday. And then actually Sunday, we're going down to Halifax uh, Sunday morning. We'll actually catch the Hurricanes game. They play the Riptide, and then we'll have practice that night at Scotiabank. Um, six o'clock that night we'll have good practice film and then sunday morning or monday morning we'll have a you know team breakfast we'll have film again uh walk through and and then we'll go so you know we have two and a half full days on the court and in film to prepare for halifax and um to me that's that's enough time well that's enough basketball coach let's get a family question in uh, I saw on social media that uh, your daughter Alex had a huge moment in a young kid's life, <laughs> being a dad of three myself. I know what it's like when they lose that first tooth or two. Uh, Alex apparently pulled her own tooth. Uh, she was there tonight with her toothless grin, giving dad a big hug. What was that moment like, Coach, when she lost the tooth? Well, un- unfortunately, <laughs> I wasn't home when it happened, oh, no. but I got a big phone call. And you know, listen, the thing's been hanging there for a week, and... Uh, you know, I actually got home the other night, and Camden was trying to tie dental floss around right. it. Close the door? Is and, that well, that? no, he wanted to tie it around a ball and throw it. <laughs> and I just, I didn't quite trust Cam doing that. So, uh, but we've been talking about it. But she, Alex is tough, man. She, she's a tough kid. And, uh, yeah, she pulled it out on her own. And uh, Tooth Fairy came, gave her $6. So, I, I mean. Six bucks? It's quite an upgrade from when door, I was a is kid. Is that the going right now? I, uh, I mean. I guess because it's a front top tooth, right? Tooth fairy, so that's yeah, her favorite okay, kind of prominent. tooth. Right. I thought, you know what actually I think happened? I think uh, one, <laughs> one tooth fairy may have given her a dollar, and then a second tooth fairy, not knowing a dollar had already oh, given, gave her five dollars. Oh, okay. So that's, I think, how she ended with six. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was the I second thought, one, just to put that on, on record. I, I thought our man Tate didn't want to be on the podcast. I thought he didn't want to be. Now, he's over in the peanut gallery yeah. with his uh, lovely wife having some of the delicious food here at St. Louis Burn Grill. We'll have to get him on sometime. But, Coach, when Alex told me, that she got six bucks. Yeah. She kind of looked at me with a puzzled face when I started trying to pull my teeth out. Yeah. Because I'm figuring six bucks a tooth. <laughs> I got enough here for a dinner and a movie. Well, she was already starting to like, Dad. Well, look at this, and then shake her next big. I'm like, yeah, that's not ready to go, Alex. You know, and maybe she uh, she had dollar signs in her eyes. But uh, hey, on another family note, uh, my junior mini magic. It's been upset city in the MKNBA playoffs. Right. We came in as the seventh seed. Okay. We're coming out of the loser's bracket. We are now into the semifinals. And actually, our quarterfinal game last night was rescheduled to tonight. So I was unable to be there. So I was kind of waiting on my phone for the text. And they came up with a big win, I think, over the three seed tonight. Uh, So big game, I think, on... uh, Friday night. I Did you have that in your night. bracket? Did you have that in your bracket, Scott? I didn't have that in my bracket. I, you know what? I did. I, I went with all the long shots in the bracket, so right. I was very happy to hear Sorry. that the mini magic have Sorry. kept my bracket intact. So when when did you say the next big game is, Coach? I I, I think it, I think it's no, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. It's Tuesday okay, night back. is the semifinals okay. and. Uh, I, we got the number one seed, I think, so it could be a little rough. But where's, it, where's the game? How much is it to get in? Yeah, I, I got to check my schedule. Right. I think it's free, though. I think it's free, although the show is worth the price <laughs> of, of any admission. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the cool thing about this was was uh, Cam's game. He, so he got to our game late tonight, and uh, I wasn't in the best mood at halftime and coming out of the <laughs> locker room, and I actually saw Cam walking behind the scores table back to his seat, and he just said, Dad, we won, you know, and he was so excited. It just, like, instantly took you out of whatever you were thinking right. and just made 
made you happy, right? So, uh, so shout out to Scott Murray who took over the coaching duties tonight. Just a happy dad, and uh, and the mini magic, you know, nice. is uh, moving on to the semis. Speaking of magic, the magic of kids, because the biggest smile period on coach today, tonight, right now was right now talking about his daughter Alex and his son Cam. Listen, coach, I know it was a, a tough one for you tonight. But as always, we so much appreciate you taking the time and giving the time to come and uh, speak to us and to also let the fans uh, get behind the curtain a little bit and, and to hear from you. So thanks very much. Enjoy the next couple of days. Enjoy the rest of Valentine's Day. And uh, good luck in Halifax next week. Okay. No, no problem at all. Thanks again. And we'll, we'll talk to you guys again soon. So that does it, Dave. Well, uh, it's happy time, Scott. It is indeed. It's, it's time to wrap it up. Listen, Dave, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with me here at St. Louis Bar and Grill. Have you ordered food yet? No, I'm saying it's happy time. Oh, it's, I thought you said it's happy time. No, it's happy time, man. <laughs> happy time. So, yeah, that reminds me, uh, if you're coming to St. Louis Bar and Grill, Moncton and Yep. Uh, Tuesday night is half-price wings. Wednesday night is half-price burgers. Yep. And Thursday night is half-price Appies. Which tonight being Thursday yes. as we do this. Yeah. Have you decided what you're going with on the Appies yet? Uh, I, well, I, I should be a grown-ass man and actually say the word appetizers instead of Appies. That's probably why I confused you. But I'm going with cauliflower. Yes, good choice. And probably the bacon-wrapped mac and cheese, but bacon. I haven't decided yet. I haven't decided yet. If you have not had the opportunity <laughs> to try the bacon-wrapped macaroni and cheese, please... Come to St. Louis Bar and Grill, Moncton, and the locations. Give it a try. Okay, on behalf of the coach, Joe Salerno, and Dave Tingley, I'm Scott Squires. Thank you so much for tuning in to Magic Time, the post-game edition brought to you by our good friends at St. Louis Bar and Grill, Moncton, and the locations, as well by the Days Inn and Suites on Mountain Road in Moncton. You can visit both of those wonderful businesses on Facebook. Until next time. Scott Squire saying so long. And remember, friends, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now.